Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Good morning. This is taken from the CEB Bible. Nehemiah 8, 8 through 12. They read aloud from the scroll the instruction from God, explaining and interpreting it so the people could understand what they heard. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all of the people, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Don't mourn or weep, they said. This is because all the people wept when they heard the words of the instruction. Go, eat rich food and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions of this to any who have nothing already. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad because the joy from the Lord is your strength. The Levites also calmed all of the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Don't be sad. Then all the people went to eat and to drink, to send portions and to have a great celebration, because they understood what had been said to them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Woo! Friends, we're in a culture that tells us failure is not an option. We serve a God that tells us we are not our failures. So got together with Michelle last week and talked about our sermon series. Well, we have planned our sermon series months in advance. We have all of our sermon series planned, or we did last September. So we really try and think ahead. And as I looked at the calendar for these next few weeks, I looked at it and everything felt not right. I knew one thing. The sermon series that we had planned for this week could not happen. We did not need to hear the word that I thought we needed to hear in September. This is why, you know, planning ahead doesn't always work. And so as we sat together, as we talked a little bit more, we realized that one thing that we're all facing, at least I've heard again and again, is a spirit of busyness, a spirit of activity, a spirit of tiredness. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're older, if you're retired or not. I heard again and again a spirit of busyness. And so I thought, what would it look like if we talked about what it means to rest in a holy way? What it means to not constantly be doing, but instead to pause and reflect, to record, rewind, fast forward, and play a little bit. And then I thought about my sisters. My sisters are just a little bit older than me, and so they came up in the 90s, and they were queens of the record button. They would sit in their rooms listening to the radio with a blank cassette tape. I see Gen Z completely checking out. It's okay. We'll we'll get back to it. With their finger hovering over record. And as soon as the song that they didn't want to buy from the music store, which again, Gen Z, there used to be stores that sold music, and you could go inside a building, I digress, they would hit that record button, and they would make mixtapes for their friends. 
And then fast forward, I, I remember the time, you know, when I was dating Amanda in high school and in college even, and a wonderful gift that you could give someone was a CD, and we even then called them mixed tapes, even though there were no tapes involved. And you burn a CD with specific songs, you'd hand it to them, it was a well thought out gift. I think now you could probably do a Spotify playlist or an Apple playlist, but that can't feel the same, right? That's more of like a text. But when I thought about the idea of a mixtape, I thought about how our lives are a symphony of stories that all deserve a play. Our lives are a symphony of stories, some where we're the hero, some where we're great. You know, a good mixtape has a variance within it. If you have a mixtape and all the songs are happy, that mixtape is worthless. You need a little up, you need a little down, because that's what our lives are like. If you listen to an album and it just goes up and up and up and up, you're like, why do I listen to Taylor Swift? And you shut it off. Don't get me started. Also, our lives are also not a list of accomplishments. I don't know about you, but I I love talking with people. But I don't love talking with people that just continuously tell me all of the things that they've accomplished in their lives. When all of your stories about your life are where you're the hero and things have just gotten better and better and better, I wonder what I'm missing. I feel like I'm not hearing the whole story because our lives are not a list of accomplishments. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us, perfectly imperfect and full of potential. That's why I love this church so much. I've served a lot of churches where worship was perfect. Everyone hit their marks. Everyone rehearsed for 12 hours, or at least clocked in for that and, and said that they rehearsed for 12 hours and got it perfect. But I love that sometimes, you know, we burn the coffee or we catch the coffee maker on fire. Y'all remember that? Coffee maker full on caught on fire. That was wild. I love that sometimes the pastor rambles on and doesn't realize he needs to get to the point. I love that about us because we are perfectly imperfect people. And God sees us as that, full of potential. The thing I'm going to say a lot, the thing I hope you get tired of hearing is this. Every moment spent on reflecting on your failures is wasted. If you don't believe, you can change. So I don't know if you've ever heard this passage before. Nehemiah is not a book that's constantly read in churches. In fact, I found out that a lot of Hebrew scholars don't even call the book Nehemiah. They call it Nehemiah, which is just, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable, and it just bothers me very much. But Nehemiah is a book about a rebuilding of Jerusalem, a rebuilding of the temple. And when they're rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls, coming back to Israel, they do what all of us do, and they start going through the basement. This is, sometimes I'll tell you stories about the Bible, and I'll say, you know, that they got an Uber Eats or something to, like, make it funny or whatever, but they really did look in the basement and find things that they had lost. And one of the things that they had found was the book of the law, or in our translation of the Bible, it said the instruction. And they found it, it was underneath cobwebs and dust, they blew it off, and they began to read. And they found that they had been out of step with what God was calling the people of Israel to for years and years and years. They began to read the law and realized that they were way off the mark and they were horrified. They had found that they had done something wrong every day for the previous few centuries even, and they realized they were out of step. And and this only happened because Israel was on the run from God once again. They had lost the laws. 
And here's something I want you to know. When we lose our bearings, we don't lose God. When we lose our bearings, we don't lose God. The people of Israel had lost their bearings. They didn't know which end was up. They didn't know what was right. They didn't know what was wrong. And yet God had not disappeared from their midst. They knew that God was still there. And yet they doubted themselves because they knew that they were out of step. And instead of wallowing in self-loathing, they are told to celebrate. Instead of wallowing in self-loathing, they realize that they can celebrate. The, the Levites and the priests, they tell them to move on from their realization that they had messed up. They decided to move on and begin to celebrate. Because every moment spent reflecting on your failures is wasted if you don't believe you can change. This passage is so important. This, this passage calling for celebration is so important because this story could have gone another way. You see, they could have found these laws and began to negotiate with God. They could have found the ways that they were out of step with God and said to God, you know, actually, God, I wonder wonder if you could change your laws. Make it a little bit easier for us. You know, we've been working pretty hard. We're pretty good people. We go to church every Saturday. You know, we, we give to the poor. We may not follow the laws, but I'm a pretty nice person. Maybe lower the bar for me, God, and, and make it easier for me. But that's not what God calls us to do. God doesn't call us to negotiate with what God calls us to. Israel could have found the laws and punished themselves, could have found the laws, the ways that they were missing out, and instead beat themselves up, begin fasting and praying and and treating themselves like they were wretches and beating themselves up and not believing that God loved them any longer, really tearing themselves up. When punishment is always the answer, you don't inspire change. You foster condemnation. For me, when I was a kid and a set of rules were put before me in a class, I was never really trying to be my best. When I heard a set of rules, I was never thinking, this is what I could strive to. But instead, I realized, okay, this is how far I can go. There is an adage that I lived by in my undergrad. If it's due tomorrow, we do tomorrow, right? Uh, Anyone else? No, just me? That's, you know. My master's GPA was a lot lower than my undergrad. I pulled it off, but I majored in political science, which is essentially a bachelor's degree in coloring. Anyways, I digress. If it's due tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. But instead, what God calls us to is to strive for something more, to reach beyond where we are. God doesn't need us to just stay within the bounds. God instead wants us to strive for something greater. Now, there were times when God punished Israel, but that paradigm changed for us with Christ. There is no longer this paradigm where if you mess up enough, God is finally going to hit you with a lightning bolt. I've heard that before. I've heard that in that hallway. Someone said to me, I can't believe I didn't get struck by lightning as soon as I walked in this building. I don't know how to tell you this. That's Zeus. That's a different God. We don't worship that one here. Some of you have been watching Hercules too much. Great movie, by the way. Instead, we serve a God that when you mess up and you ask for forgiveness, God meets us from a long way off and is happy that we've decided to change our minds. We see a God that when we find out that we've messed up, tells us to cheer up and get to work. You see, because every moment spent reflecting on your failures is wasted if you don't believe you can change. Our relationship with our failures needs to change, friends. 
I, my relationship with my failures need to change. When we fail, we find excuses. I experience this. When I find a failure, I think about all the ways that it could have gone better if someone else acted differently. In my relationships, if I mess up, well, I wonder if they had just spoken a little bit differently. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. If I was late, maybe it's because my alarm clock didn't go off instead of me actually going to bed at a reasonable hour. I find all the ways around the the loopholes that I can jog through instead of facing my failures head on. Here's just a little aside. I, I don't know if you need to hear this, but when you apologize, don't explain. I hear this a lot. I'm so sorry, but if you had just understood, I'm so sorry that you felt that way, but listen, if you had just, I'm willing to believe there's never been a real apology wrapped up in an explanation. When you apologize, say that you're sorry and move on. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll probably get back on it, but you know me, I'll try. When we fail, we want it to go away. Failure to me is one of the most embarrassing things that can happen. Failure to me is something that I wish never happened. I like to put on a persona as if failure never happens. I don't know if you see this, but whenever I stand on stage, I'm always pretty certain I'm about to fall and chip my tooth. But I don't back away from the edge of the stage because you know what? If I fall and chip my tooth, y'all would love that. Y'all would eat that up because we've set up a paradigm within this church where we know that we are not perfect. We know that we don't have it perfectly together. It was in this church just a year or two ago when we opened up our single serve communion cups and we found a worm in one of the breads, two of the breads even, and one of them was still alive. Raise your hand if you were here that Sunday. Can I tell you that our district superintendent watches that footage on a regular basis because it brings her so much joy? I just, I love that, you know? If we needed a perfect church to know God, I couldn't be here. I couldn't be that pastor. I'll tell you this, friends. If you ever find a perfect church, you really shouldn't go. You'll mess it up, right? I can't go to a perfect church. It'll ruin the whole thing. They'll talk talk about before I came. It's like, wow, it used to be really good. Then it got a lot worse. Here's the thing. When we fail, we want it to go away. We want our failures to disappear. But when we want our failures to disappear, we realize that we're missing out on our stories. This handsome man behind me is trying to learn how to live stream a church service. When I first came here, our live stream consisted of a laptop on a Zoom call that we put on the sound booth. And when I came, I realized, let's, let's come to the, to the 90s. Let's get a, a real live stream going. It should be simple, right? It wasn't. And there shouldn't be sound on this. You don't need to hear it. And so I'm in my office and I'm trying my best. I'm a millennial. I was born in 1988. I, I, I know these things. I was born with a computer in my hand. I know what I'm doing, right? Uh, that's, yeah, that's a winner. And I'm researching and I know, I know that I can figure it out. I just need to find the right article. So I'm on YouTube watching how to live stream your church services. And after about five minutes, I say, uh, I'm done. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm wrong. This is a failure. Thank goodness no one saw that. And as I walk out of my office, my phone dings me and says, watch live. Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church just went live. And I went, oh no, they did not. And I look and sure as the day is long, that video was live streamed. I did not know that I was live streaming myself. So I did what anyone 
would do when a live stream of yourself by yourself being frustrated in your office would do. I watched it really quickly to make sure I didn't say any words that I'm not allowed to say. And then when I realized I hadn't, by God's grace, I shared it with people. I put it on Facebook and I shared it because I knew that I had friends that were serving churches a lot like shepherds and were trying so hard to live stream their worship service. Not just so that other people could see church, not so that just so that the neighborhood could hear about it, but also they knew that sometimes their, their people would be sick. We'd have to stay home. And they wanted them to feel included. That live stream has made a difference in people's lives. Our friend Lisa Spires, when she was in hospice, she got to watch worship because of that live stream. And so I posted that video of me looking like a total dummy and feeling like one too, so that other people could know that their failures are not who they are. They're just a part of their story. Pretending to erase the past is a fool's errand. When you pretend like you've got it all together, everyone knows that they're missing some of your mixtape. We must make peace with our past if we want to have hope in the future. We have to make peace with our past if we have hope for the future. If you are trying to forget the mistakes you've made in the past and not ask for forgiveness and not receive absolution and not begin anew, you are missing out on one of the great joys of life, which is being forgiven. Every moment spent reflecting on your failures is wasted if you don't believe you can change. So back to the passage. The people of Israel hear the laws. They know that they've messed up. And what is the prescription from the priests and the Levites? Let's party stat. Let's celebrate now because a new life is beginning. We finally know the ways that we have messed up. Let's celebrate our new beginning. When you learn you're outside of God's will, what's the point in waiting for the change you need? What I love about this too is in this passage, it tells people to share portions. This is like the first biblical potluck. Like bring a covered dish to your neighbor that can't cook, right? They need to celebrate that they've been forgiven of their sins as well. Go celebrate with your neighbors. You aren't the only one doing this. When you learn you're outside of God's will, what's the point in waiting for the change you need? Party now. Realize that you get to change. I love this. This day is holy. How many of you, when you've realized you've messed up, when you finally convinced yourself that you hurt someone, that you were outside of God's will, saw that day as holy? I know that I haven't. It is hard for me to see that day as holy because I can't help but see myself as my failures. But that's not what God tells me to do. God instead tells me to celebrate that day as a day of rebirth. We're sometimes under the impression that beating ourselves up is holy or a holy endeavor. That when we mess up, it's good for us to say, I'm such a worm. I've made mistakes. I've let people down. I'm a terrible this. I'm a terrible that. I got to tell you, God's really not interested in that. God's really not interested in you beating yourself up, thinking that you're something less than you really are, which is a child of God. God's really not interested in that. Because this day is holy. When you find out that you're outside of God's will and you can change, that day is holy. What does God say to us? 
Make amends, get to work. Make amends, get to work. A lack of failure means a lack of effort. If you're not failing, you're not trying. I know that that's an adage that can fit on a bumper sticker. It just happens to be true. Some cliches are cliche because they're right. A lack of failure means a lack of effort. I really could have given up live streaming the worship service. I really could have given up planting seeds in our community garden. I really could have given up our new member class. And if I had given up, I would have missed out on all the wonderful success that God has brought because of God's grace. And if I didn't fail, that would be because I was not trying. In your life, if you're not failing in following Jesus, I wonder if you're trying or wonder if you've just got complacent. There should be failures on the road to holiness. Every moment spent reflecting on your failures is wasted if you don't believe you can change. So how should you use this sermon, this scripture, all of this? Well, remember, sin steals life. Make no mistake. When we sin, it is something that steals our life. It steals our joy. It takes from us what could be ours, which is communion with God. It puts separation between us and the God that created us. It is not good. Sin steals life. But also this, dwelling on your failures, dwelling on your sin steals life too. If you're keeping sins bottled up, if you're keeping the ways that you failed secret, if you're not sharing them with the God of the universe who wants to hear from you, that's stealing your life. It is taking it away from you. There is a record of our lives. We read in scripture that that God sees what we do. There is a record of our lives. And I think I'm done trying to make it perfect. Instead, I want my record to be covered with corrections and redirection. And that appears to be what God wants to see as well. How boring would it be, friends, if we got to heaven and every single track on our mixtape was perfect to the T? If there was no color of God's grace, if there were no moments of God intervening in our lives, if we washed over those things as if we were born perfect and died the same way, how boring would that be, my friends? Instead, may our lives be a symphony of success and failure, all metered by God's great love. Every moment spent reflecting on our failures is wasted. If you don't believe, you can change. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.